0: Uh, but uh, now listen some of you is going to hear the the most important message you've ever heard this morning it's going to answer some questions about if I'm a Christian why is things going so wrong in my life I thought I thought this Christianity business was supposed to straighten my life up well so we're going to answer some questions today, and we're going to, I'm going to go back to last week's message about power and talking about power. Um, power can be available to you, uh, but if you are not aware of it, it's not going to do you any good. I found out last week I had 33 cents somewhere that I didn't know I had. <laughs> some government agency owes me 33 cents, and I didn't know about it, and I want it. They've had it long enough. The stamp will cost them 48 cents, but I want it. Send it on in. Our government are smart, aren't they? They sent my dad a two-cent check. Was it two cents, Mom? They sent my dad a check for two cents. I'd fire that guy that did that. Send a 48, spend a 48-cent stamp to send a guy. The paper was, was more than two cents that it was printed on. It's your money they spent. You ought to get mad and vote them all out. Whoa. Anyway, we're gonna talk about power, okay? Now, power, understand that the power means strength, our force, our might, our the ability to do or to act. Now, the scriptures is full of instructions on the term power. Now, when I when I say the term power, it can also, if you read in your student of the word, authority. Our power, our the ability to act. Remember this now. God gives us the uh, opportunity, as it were, uh, to do certain things. But if we don't take advantage of it, it is not. It's kind of like Brad was talking about. It does it does us no good. Now the New Testament believers were possessed with an amazing consciousness of power, and I, I told you last week that sometimes we want to elevate our Bible heroes to, a, to a, a place higher than human, but they were just like you and I, and if they were conscious of the power that, that was at their disposal, then you and I need to walk in the awareness that that same power is available to us today. And the, proce- the problem is that we do not make ourselves available to that power. Now Paul wrote to Timothy this, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, uh, Evidently, Timmy, or Timothy was uh, apparently wrestling with this thing called fear, uh, he, uh, uncertainty. Uh, maybe because of his youth. Maybe because he was put in charge of, he, he was a pastor of the church at Ephesus. He had, had a lot of responsibility. For whatever reason, this young man was struggling. And here's what Paul wrote to him to encourage him with. For God has not given us, what? Notice that's a small s. So it's not. we're not talking about Holy Spirit power here or our demonic power. We're talking about something that resides in you. When you hear a bad report, immediately you're going to think things in your mind, your attitude, your spirit. Something's going to lodge, and you can respond two different ways. You can respond with fear or faith. It's just simply up to you. But fear. But God has not given us that spirit of fear, but of what? Power. And of love and of a sound mind. What, is, what does he mean by that? Okay. When you got saved, you receive power. You re, the third person of the Godhead resides in you. Now, and we always say, and we say things like, boy, I, I need more of God. Well, that is not a true statement. When the Holy Spirit came into your life, you got him all. The problem is he doesn't have all of you. That's in our corner. That's our responsibility. And if you have ever said, and I've said those things until I received revelation, that it wasn't, I just didn't get a piece of God when I got saved. I got all of God. Yes, there's different experiences along the way, but I, I got the Holy Spirit. And I just didn't get an arm or a leg or a piece of Him. I got all of Him. He's come in. So I have access to power. I, for God has not given a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Discipline, that sound means disciplined thought patterns. God has given you the ability to develop healthy, disciplined thought patterns. Then if I'm a Christian, why is it that my life is always a mess? It's because you have never disciplined your thought patterns. And you repeat in a cycle your mess. I get so, oh, I don't know if I'm getting matter or order now. You can choose. Dear Jesus, the ability to understand and make right decisions has been given into your corner. Say, well, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can because God's giving you the power to do it. He's giving you the power of love and a sound mind. The ability, now listen, if you don't develop that, that's not God's problem. Are, are Can we talk today? Can we talk? Can we just shoot straight in the hip and just talk? What kind of power have we been talking about? The power of prayer. And if you have not listed some of these things on the back of your Bible, you need to list some of these things because these are things that are available to you and I. And the problem is that we just do not use them. The power of prayer. Prayer can change God's mind. Now, God is not going to change. The prayer is not going to change God's sovereign will flowing through this world. He has, he has a sovereign will that's flowing through this world. And all kinds of prayer is not going to stop that. But in the process of you and in your life, in the direction of your life and the destiny of your life, I'm telling you, prayer can change things in your life. Ask the people of Nineveh. They prayed God was going to bring judgment and destroy that city, but they fasted and they prayed, and God changed his mind to the prophet's cringe, didn't he? I mean, Jonah got mad, and the people of Nineveh was delivered. Go figure that one out. Ask Abraham. As he bargained with God and prayed with God over the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah, and in fact, he got—he bargained with God and got, got down to ten people. If there's ten people, righteous people in the city, I'll spare it. He should have went all the way. If there's one, will you spare it? Why? Because he was doing pretty good in this thing called prayer and negotiating with God. I don't understand that, but there's power in prayer. There's power in the Word of God. There's only one—there's only one book that will change your faith, and that's this one. There is power in the Word of God. There's power in the blood, the power of the blood of God. All right, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. It is something that is involved in spiritual warfare throughout the ages. What is involved in spiritual warfare? And they overcame him by what? The blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Every day of our life when the, when the accuser of the brethren, who is accusing you this morning? Satan. He is accusing you. I'm telling you, the blood answers to every accusation that he brings against you. There's power in the blood. And the word of your testimony, what is your confession? There's power in your confession. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. What are you speaking over yourself? What are you saying about yourself? Are you saying what God says? I'm telling you, if you are not, you need to bring your tongue into discipline. And Pastor Mike talked about that. Discipline in the tongue is probably the hardest thing you'll ever try to do. Power of God through the Holy Spirit, the agent of the, new, of the new birth. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, To many as received him, to them gave he what? Power to become the sons of God. You have the power. You have the right. You have the authority to develop uh, in, the, in this thing called the, uh, the, the, as children, children of God. There's power of praise. Now listen to me very carefully. There is no such thing as silent praise. If you sat here this morning while we were singing and praising, you didn't do squat. It's not God's fault that you're in bondage. It's not God's fault because there is power in praise. I'm telling you, when you're praising and worshiping God, God sets ambushments against the enemy of your soul and those things that hinder you, and they find release and freedom and healing through the power of praise. But if you don't lift your voice, nothing happens. Just because you hear doesn't mean you worship or praise. You're warm in a seat, and that's it. And you'll leave here the same as you've come. Why? You didn't enter into this thing called worship and praise. I'm telling you, there's power in praise. Talk about the power of the gospel in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God uh, unto salvation for everyone who believes. There's something when you believe the gospel message through faith, there's something that is released. It's called the new birth experience. It's called the power of the gospel. The power of vision. Now listen to me. Vision breaks the barriers of limited thinking. You are only bound in by the thinking processes of your mind. But if you get a vision of where God wants you to go, if you get to catch a dream, see, the Scripture says, without a vision, my people perish. And if you get a revelation from God, your limited thinking will fall by the wayside. And no matter how many books you'll write, can you see two or three? Can you see four? Can you see volumes? What can you see? Vision breaks the barriers off limited thinking. Vision is a source of hope. If you have no vision for where God is going to take you or where you want to go in God, you, you have no hope. You have nothing to anchor your hope in. I get this, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. He, God, has delivered us from the power of what? Darkness. Darkness has power. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. The power of darkness. Millions of people have been born and died in darkness. Not because they was too bad to be saved. Not because they couldn't have been saved. It was simply because they were in darkness to the truth and did not know that they needed a Savior. You better be glad that somewhere along life's journey, somebody spoke life into you. God has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into another kingdom. And then the question is, if I have been conveyed into another kingdom, why is it that my life is so messed up? John chapter 12, verse 39 and 40. Therefore, therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, and now we're going to quote a prophecy that Isaiah talked about. It was a Messianic prophecy. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. It is God's will to heal a lot of people, but, but people choose darkness or blindness rather than light millions of people will be born in this world today they will be born in in darkness they'll be born in ignorance Uh, and that's just the lot of natural men if you are if you are here and you have never received christ as your savior i'm telling you you're involved and you're a part of the kingdom of darkness right now and you don't have understanding uh, really understand, you have a hodgepodge of thinking in your mind, and you have all of this list and litany of things that, well, when I get to the end of my life and, you know, here's, you know, if I have more good works and bad works, you know, somehow it's going to balance out the scales. Some people may have that. Some people think, well, I haven't been all that bad. I'm better than so-and-so. It doesn't make a hill of beans. You're ignorant of how you're going to get out of the kingdom of darkness if you, you're only going to get out of there by Jesus Christ and him only. So, ignorance is going to take a lot of people to a place they don't want to go. Darkness has many meanings in Scripture. I'm going to give you some this morning, and you need to write this down. Darkness can be referred to as ignorance, especially of things that are spiritual, heavenly, and divine. Now, we, we, we acknowledge, and we notice this, uh, some people know that knowledge is what? Knowledge is power now we will we'll readily admit to that because that's true people who read lead knowledge is power but i want you to understand ignorance has power too now i'm not talking about i'm not talking about somebody who is not uh, who's not willing to learn something i'm not talking about somebody who is intellectually challenged i'm not talking about that i'm talking about somebody who is willfully ignorant of the things that are in their life that causes them issues Do not overlook the fact that ignorance is power. Also, the prophet spoke and said this, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse uh, verse number 2. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did what? Comprehended it not. What can you accomplish? Now, this is a question you need to ask yourself. What can you accomplish with a willfully ignorant person? And the answer is nothing. I cannot tell you how many hours I have counseled ignorant people. Go ahead and clap, because it's the absolute truth. I'm not talking about stupid people. I'm talking about people who recycle issues through their life, and you talk to them, and you talk to them, and you talk to them, and you give them wisdom, and you talk to them, and you talk to them, and they know the truth, but they choose to remain in their ignorance. And then they come back to you, pray, I need a miracle. No, you need to straighten up and get some smarts. Why do you recycle your life that way? Because you have a thought pattern you have not broken. And until you break that thought pattern that's in your mind, you are destined to relive all of those situations. Not because God wants you to, it's because you're ignorant. And there's power in ignorance, and it keeps you there in your bondage and will keep you there even though you're a Christian. It'll get you there. By and by, when I get to heaven, I'll be free. That's the only way some of you will be. Because you're comfortable in your ignorance. Become kind of a lifestyle. Now, listen to me. What can you accomplish with a willfully ignorant person? Nothing. It's not that they can't learn. It's not that they can't be taught. They, they can be taught and they can learn the truth. It's that they don't want to receive the truth. Why? They want to remain in their comfort zone. Ah, they want to remain in their complacency. They want to remain in their conceit and their pride. <laughs> can I ask you this morning, what is the size of your cage? Where is your ignorance and how is your ignorance keeping you bound? See, freedom is all around you. God has promised, you, God has delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. But the darkness you're walking in now is your own ignorance, and the size of your cage is the cage that you have built for yourself in your mind, not the cage that God has built for you. God sets you free. There there is freedom all around you, but you remain in your ignorance and you refuse to change. Why? Why does that happen? The biggest challenge is this, because to receive new truth means you have to challenge the belief and system that you have right now. And a lot of people are not willing to have their belief system challenged. That's shaky ground. But how many times have I told you that God is not afraid of honest doubt? Never, 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 ever be afraid of honest doubt. Some people say, "Well, don't doubt." I'm telling you, Thomas did. We, but it wasn't. But when he did come to faith, and he finally settled the issue and, and touched a hole. He didn't doubt again, and he went to India and lost his life. Why? He never wavered again. He was willing to challenge his doubts, and when his doubts was challenged and realized that what he had said was wrong, he accepted the truth rather than remain in his ignorance. Because ignorance has power. Ignorance has power. The challenge. See, new truth requires a decision. And new truth requires not only a decision, but a decision requires a change. Remaining in darkness, you see, is easier. Even with the pain that it brings, it's easier to to remain in the darkness. And if you're not careful, you become comfortable living in your darkness, even though God wants you free. And your life will recycle the same stuff over and over again. And when you get in your stuff, then you run and try to get counseling. And you get counseling, and you learn how to get out of it. And because you don't apply it, you get back into the same stuff. And then you come for counseling again. I'm one of these days after they come for counseling, I'm just going to knock them out. Pow. We'll drag them out and bury them, but at least they'll stay straight. (laughs) Woo, mercy me! You didn't know you was going to get all this this morning, did you? As a result, listen to me. Many people, many believers, live their lives under the continual or under the influence of ignorance. Darkness and subject to the pain and the confusion that it brings. Listen to what he says in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. My people are what? Destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. Understand, listen, knowledge is available to you. And if you don't have it, it's not God's fault. It's because you don't study this book. This is your way to freedom. You study it to gain, uh, with, uh, to gain knowledge. You study it to gain understanding of the knowledge that you've learned. And you walk in wisdom when you apply the knowledge that you have gained. And it's only when you begin to flesh it out that freedom comes from the issues of your life. We can rub you with gallons of oil and pray over you for hours. And if you don't change your thinking, your life is not going to change. Get this, if the enemy can keep you in darkness, if he can keep you in ignorance, he can can have influence over your life. He can limit your influence also in life. He can keep you in bondage to your hangups because he can keep you in ignorance. See, he works in darkness. He works in our ignorance. And nobody's exempt, pastor included. In those areas of my life where I'm in darkness and when I'm in ignorance, the enemy has sway to the darkness, and he works in the darkness, and he works in those areas. Ignorance favors his plans, and, and, and you know, our ignorance favors his, his schemes for, to limit our life and to keep us in bondage. Our blindness allows Satan to set snares for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Notice what Paul says. Lest Satan should what? Should take what? How is Satan going to take advantage of a believer? I thought we'd been translated from, this, from the kingdom of darkness into If you've got ignorance in your life, that's darkness. And he works on the darkness. So notice, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not what? Ignorant. He's not saying stupid. He's not saying you're not able to learn. He's not saying that. Intelligent people can be ignorant in areas of their life. So that's not what we're saying here. We are not ignorant of his devices. Paul's saying, I'm not ignorant of his devices. I've studied the book. I know how he works. Why, how did he know that? It, he had revelation. He had revelation of how Satan works. He had knowledge. And so, and so the darkness of ignorance, had, he knows exactly what Satan's going to do. Do you know how Satan's defeated your life? He's working in your ignorance. Now verse, notice verse 12. Do I have verse 12 down or just have that one verse? For we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, if you'll study that in your devotions, he was talking about offenses. Offenses and Christians being offended has stopped more Christians and more ministries than any other thing. Offense is a trick of the enemy to work in your ignorance. And when Christian people take offense at anything, Then Satan, they come under a snare of Satan, and because they they may know better than take offense, but as long as they carry that offense, they are in darkness, and Satan has them bound. Not in the essence of possessing their life, but in their, they, God puts you on hold until you release people in forgiveness. People are not in ministries today because they picked up offenses. And didn't know how to handle it. Didn't know how to release and forgive people. Listen, if you're involved in ministry, you better learn how to forgive. You won't last long. I'll tell you that right now. Why? Because, some, man, it's, it's, it, offenses come from every direction. All you got to do is pick one up. It's a <laughs> snare. I mean, you can pick up other people's offenses. And people have done that, too. They wouldn't have been involved in it. They didn't even know what was going on. But because somebody they love was offended, they're offended, too. Well, get over it. Learn how to handle that. Get up. Brush yourself off. God is, he wants to set you free from the issues that comes along with picking those things up. Our blindness, our blindness, our ignorance of the truth allows strongholds of thought patterns to remain in our mind. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, and I'm, I'm going to hurry, okay? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? What am I going to do? Okay, no, no. It's casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Listen, if you're involved in something and Satan, uh, you know, you're you're ignorant in a certain area and the enemy just keeps tripping you up in that area, it is a result of repeated bad thought patterns, strongholds in your mind. And you will never be free until you get free mentally in your mind, bringing every thought, every thought into what? Captivity. Listen, if what enters your mind does not line up with this book, put it away. Get rid of it. You say what God says about it. You don't allow that thought to linger in your, because a thought produces is a seed. And a seed produces fruit. And the reason you recycle all this stuff in your life is because you have never torn down the stronghold, the thought patterns in your life that is a result of how you're living. Man. Why is it that we, I think we get pleasure and I think we get used to living that way. And we just tell ourselves that's just the way it will always be. Now notice this. Darkness is referred to in Scripture as ignorance. And then darkness in Scripture has another meaning. It is that of sin. Notice Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of what? What? Darkness. Unfruitful works. Acts. The things people do. But rather expose them expose them. Now listen, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Sin is darkness. Ignorance is darkness. Sin is darkness. Remember, the enemy of your soul works under the cover of darkness. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now listen, if you're going to do that, expect issues. The darkness of ignorance, now the darkness of sin. God has delivered us from the power of darkness by work of grace in our hearts. Our spiritual eyes have been opened. We stand justified before God. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through eleven. Notice that. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor I, do I have to do I have to do I have to tell you what fornicators are? Neither nor idolaters, nor what? Can we talk? Are we adults? Nor say it. It's politically correct. The book says you can say that. Nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, okay? Shall I preach a little while there? I don't care if the government accepts it or not. I'm going to vote for anybody that does. And if you vote for anybody that, that, that is involved in or, or recognize or promotes that stuff, you're a partaker of his fruits. The reason our world is in the shape in is because the church is not directed by obedient Christians. And they vote Democrat or Republican because they're Democrat or Republican without any regard that who they're voting for is a murderer or anti-family. God's going to hold you responsible for that one day and you'll stand before God and give an account of our stewardship here. And the reason we're in trouble in America is because the church has just accepted sin rather than expose it. A lie is still a lie. If you want to keep your doctor, you can keep your doctor. That is a lie. Now, you can politically dress that up any way you want to, but it's a lie. If I'd have said that, everybody would have said, well, he lied. Right? Now, I'm really mad now. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now notice this next phrase. And such were some of you. That's where we were at. That's where we all live. But you were washed. But you were what? Sanctified. But now you are what? Justified. Thank you, Jesus. I was once one of those others. Now I'm not. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God, you are justified. But now notice, but notice now something, now the process begins. Now the operation of complete deliverance has begun. Deliverance of your mind, deliverance of your body, deliverance of your soul, the process of renewing the mind. According to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14, the first thing that we had to put on as a believer is the the breastplate or the the belt of truth. Gird your loins with the belt of truth. Why? Because without the truth, you keep walking in ignorance. You're, you're, a, you're a target for the enemy. You'll never get victory. You have to know the truth. What is the truth? This is the truth. Republicans nor Democrats have the truth. This is the truth. The government doesn't have the truth. This is the truth. I'm telling you, my oh, God, help me. <laughs> Let me give you a word. It's a holiness word. It's called sanctification. Whoo! How long has it been since you heard that? It's still in the Bible. Someone says, well, that's a holiness doctrine. No, it's a Bible doctrine. You have been justified before God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we get involved in the process of sanctification. There is instant, instant sanctification, and there is progressive sanctification, and we are involved and in charge of that. Amen? Notice what it says. 2 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now, he's, he's involved in getting our minds straight, getting our bodies straight, and getting our emotions straight. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Oh, oh, no. Here, here it comes. God's done his part. He's justified us. We're under the blood. Now, what do we got to do? we we got to get involved in the process of sanctification. Why? we gotta, we got to free ourselves and unwrap ourselves in this thing called sin. We've lived in sin all of our life. Now we've got to get unwrapped, and we have to do that. God's not going to do that for us. When Lazarus came out of the tomb all bound with grave clothes, that's how we were born again. We were born again. We were alive, but we were bound in grave clothes. And now God the Holy Spirit gives us the power to begin to unwrap ourselves from the slavery of sin. It's called good old-fashioned holiness or sanctification, and you and I are to be involved in that. Sin has power even if you don't recognize it. Power and darkness, disobedience to God's voice, disobedience to God's principles. Men's love for sin and selfishness has created the world we live in. The pleasures of sin offers no resistance as long as you go with the flow. You think, well, sin has no power. Well, you can look out over that wide Mississippi and it's flowing and it's just kind of gently going along. And it doesn't look like it has power. But you try to stop it. You'll find out how much power that river has. And the same way with sin in our lives. You try to stop sin and see what kind of resistance you get. Ask the, ask the drug addict. Hey, when you, got, when you got to the place where you wanted to stop uh, your addiction, how'd it go? Hell on earth. They'll tell you. As long as they flowed and went with the flow, it's okay. But you try to stop it. Boy, then all hell breaks loose in your life. Why? Because sin has power. You ask anybody that's addicted to anything that has ever tried to stop it. Well, as long as you go with the flow, it's okay. It doesn't look like it has that much power. But you try to stop it. Then you'll find out how much power sin has over your life. It has power. It will control you. It will use you. It will wreck you. It is darkness. And the kingdom of this of the darkness works in the darkness of our life. And it uses sin to wreck us. Ask Samson. Ask David. Ask all of some of the heroes of the Bible. Ask even Abraham. Sin has power. It is darkness. Thirdly, and I'm quitting, Stephanie, come. And uh, I want to talk to you about darkness also refers, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Darkness refers to ignorance. Darkness refers to sin. And darkness also refers to Satan and his angels. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says this For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In the dateless past, at some point, there was a beautiful angel that was created. He was radiant in his beauty. He sparkled. He glowed. He was the essence of brightness. His name was Lucifer. He was the anointed seraphim that stood in the presence of God. Some people say that he was musical and had the ability to make music. I don't know. All I know is that he was one of the most beautiful angels of God's created order, but one day sin was found in him, pride was found in his heart, and Lucifer fell, and the first thing he lost was his brightness. He became dark, and he was thrown and cast from his first estate to the earth and became the ruler of the darkness. Along with him went one third of the angelic order and followed his lead in his rebellion against God. And now that host of spiritual wickedness stands to oppose you. His kingdom is now called the kingdom of darkness. And most of the people of our world is controlled by this kingdom, though they are unaware. He has some 6,000 years of experience of learning how to push our buttons. He knows what works on you. He knows what works on me. He is smart. He is wise beyond your belief, and he knows how to push your particular buttons and when to push them because he's had a lot of experience in doing it. He has become acquainted with how the natural mind works. He knows how the natural mind goes. He knows that when Christians get saved, if they don't get involved in the process of renewing their mind, that they are they are subject to him pushing their buttons. Even though we've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, we still have to war against him. He knows exactly how to attack us, when to lay the traps, when to lay the snares. Unless you and I apply ourselves to the knowledge of this book, and we will not be aware of it, and we will continually fall into his traps. He knows how to entice our lusts and our passions. He knows how to work on our pride and our prejudice. Prejudice. He knows how to take advantage of our unfaithfulness, our emotions, and our self-righteousness. He is recognized in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. He is recognized as the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. God had delivered us from the power of darkness. Do not give him any place in your life through the darkness of ignorance or through the darkness of sin because he works in those areas of darkness. Sin waits, and most of the time, sin is committed under the cloak of darkness. When the sun goes down, the lights... Go on. You finish it. They're called night clubs. Under the darkness of night, the thief does his best work, undetected, unnoticed, not easily to get caught under the cloak because evil works under the cloak of darkness. Don't give him any foothold in your life through ignorance. What are you going to do? You're going to get into this book. You're going to start, get somebody to disciple you. Start getting into a Bible study. Start feeding yourself. The faster, the better. Pull yourself out of sin as fast as you can. Last but not least, the meaning of darkness is called eternal darkness or outer darkness. It will be the destiny of Satan and his angels and ultimately the destiny of everyone who has rejected Christ. Complete and utter outer darkness. Darkness that you can feel, darkness that you can taste, darkness that you cannot believe. That's the destiny of Satan and his angels, and ultimately the destiny of every person who rejects Christ as their Savior. Oh, there's a price to pay for being ignorant. There's a price to pay for giving yourself to the pleasures of sin. There's a price to pay. God wants to completely set you free, mind, body, soul, spirit. He wants to break the recycled stuff in our life. And the only way to do that is for us to apply ourselves to what thus saith the Lord. Amen. Every head bowed. I know I preached a long time. Every head bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for people all over this building. Oh, Lord Jesus. Some of the folks here today understand what I mean by recycling issues of life. And I want revelation knowledge to... to, 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 to just explode in their mind, their spirit today. That if they want their future changed, they have to change the thinking. They have to renew their mind. Being transformed by the renewing of their mind. Learning. Learning. Exposing His tricks. Not allowing Him to work in the darkness of ignorance. Not allowing Him to take advantage of us because of our ignorance. I challenge everyone under the sound of my voice that they will resolve in their heart. That my, I am not going to continue the status quo in my life, but I'm going to start fighting back the darkness. Those that are bound by the power of sin, it's not going to change until you take care of the sin question in your life. God can give you the power to break that. God can give you the power to break that. God can give you the power. Yes, there's going to be resistance. Yes, there's going to be some pain. Yes, there'll be some resistance because there's power in sin. Sin is darkness. Oh, but freedom and light is so great. And the freedom you will enjoy will be worth the battle to live above it. To live above it. Free. Free. In Jesus' name. Paul, no one's looking around this morning. If you're here, you know know Christ is your Savior. And you want to make some changes in your life today. I'd like to see your hand right up and right down. You're saying, Pastor, pray for me today. I I need to make some changes in my life. Here's my hand. My eyes come back across the building, right up and right down. That's what I'm asking. God bless you. Any other hands? Here's my hand. I want to make some changes in my life today. God bless you. Right up and right down. My eyes are coming back across the building. God bless you in the back. I see your hand. God bless you in the back, making some changes. Today I'm making some changes. I'm coming out of the kingdom of darkness. My eyes are coming back across the building. Today I'm coming out of the kingdom of darkness. Here's my yeah, I see that hand. Is there another? My eyes are coming back across the building. I want to be free today from the kingdom of darkness. Start the process. Here's my hand. Is there one? God bless you. God bless you. I see the hand in the back. Today. Today marks a change in your life. Today marks a change in your life. Today you're going to receive Christ as, as the Lord and Savior of your life. There's going to, by grace and by faith, you're going to receive that. Listen. All of the problems. I used to think that if you got saved, all of your problems would disappear. Well, I walked in ignorance for many, many years before I realized that that getting saved just starts the process. Getting saved and receiving Christ as my Savior is just just a step of being justified before God. Doing something that I could not do, no matter how good you are, no matter how good you are, you can't be justified before God without Jesus Christ cleansing you today. But you will begin the process. And I guarantee if you'll stick with it, if you'll get into the Word of God, if you'll you'll be faithful to church and get involved in the discipleship process and you'll begin to feed yourself. I'm telling you, if Jesus here is a year from now, you will not even believe where God has brought you from. And the things He has unwrapped you from. Because today you start the process of being free. Mind, soul, body, and spirit. Amen. Would those of you that raise your hands, will you stand today? We you stand right where you're at? Because I'm going to have everybody else join in in prayer. But I want you to stand as an act of faith. All over the building, I want you to stand. I want you to stand. today. I, today, I start the changes in my life. Today, I start the changes in my life. Today, I start the changes in my life. All right. The rest of the congregation, I want you to stand. Everybody repeat after me this morning, will you? (laughs) Today I start the process. Today I start the process. Today. New start, fresh start today. Everybody join me and repeat after me. Speaking in those of you that stood, I want you to speak it in faith today. And we're believing for a transformation to take place. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you today as the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. amen.